0: Welcome to this week's Red Voices, where we have two, count them, two victories to discuss this week as United eased past Derby County in the FA Cup before defeating Pep Guardiola for the third time this season. God, that feels good, doesn't it? Myself, Ewan, and him, Rich, in charge tonight. Mr. Can, how are we faring? I'm assuming pretty well.
1: I'm not bad, I'm not bad, considering that we're now on a a run of eight, eight wins and two draws in our last ten, having conceded two goals in that entire run. Who could have imagined we'd be sitting here now with much glee? Three months ago. look at
0: us, Rich. Who would have thought this was going to (laughs) happen? These are great times. Not me.
1: These are heady days, aren't they? No. Oh,
0: wow. Um, Yeah, a quick note on City before we uh, head back to last Thursday night over at uh, the iPro Stadium. A A really stressy but very important win for United against City. I think... There are moments, especially, you know, it's obviously pertinent with it being a year past, sorry, a year since the PSG away second leg in the Champions League. I think it's an interesting time to sort of take stock of where United actually are. And I think evenings like this, games like this, when United really need a result against, uh, you know, arguably a very, very good Manchester City side, to be able to grind things out the way they are and see shoots and examples of what Ole's trying to do And the fact that there has certainly been some improvement since uh, the Dower days of that first six months of Mourinho's uh, time, last six months of Mourinho's time in charge, feels pretty pertinent and feels very poignant that we get a result like this uh, a year on from arguably you know one of the most incredible moments of United in the post-Ferguson era, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the the strange thing is that it's not nights like tonight that have really changed, have they? You know, we we were getting these results three, four, five months ago, you know, towards the start of the season against the big sides and and this was the city game was very much a carbon copy of quite a few of these big games we've seen this season it's the game actually the other games in between and we're talking about that that 10 game unbeaten run it's the it's the games against the smaller sides that we were previously losing that we're now largely winning relatively comfortably that are making the real difference but i think what was the most important thing with the city game was that United have got themselves in a, in a really strong position behind Chelsea in, in fourth for the position for the Champions League places. And I think if with, with, with um, Chelsea beating Everton today and with United having two really tough games, I think if we'd not won both of these two, or not one one of these one or two of these, these these two games against City and Spurs, and Chelsea picked up some points in their slightly easier fixtures before more difficult running, then the impetus we'd had and the, 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 the way we'd reeled them in would start to slip away.
0: No, exactly. I agree. You know, I think it would have made the. <laughs> the thing is, you know, we can't really look at this in terms of an overall picture at the minute because the the top four picture is so completely unpredictable, isn't it? You know, you don't necessarily know who's going to drop points. And Everson looked quite useful this last weekend. And then when it came to today at Stamford Bridge, they were absolutely shocking. And Chelsea come away with an absolute thrashing at 4-0 and have headily cut into United's goal difference superiority in the process. So yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult to call. But I think it's vital regardless of how unpredictable the teams in and around them are. I think how easy it's going to be for the likes of Chelsea and in particular Spurs and maybe Sheffield United and Wolves to drop points at the minute. It's vital that United continue on this run and keep picking up points because we don't really want to be making it more difficult for ourselves by the end of the season, especially when it looks like several of the teams around us will no longer be in Europe, especially Chelsea, considering that they are what? A... Very sobering 90 minutes at the Allianz Arena away from getting knocked out of the Champions League. Anyway, let's roll back to uh, Thursday night over in the East Midlands over at with Derby County. Pretty much uh, a night for Wayne Rooney more than anyone else or uh, one Odiano Gallo. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I miss most of this, rich. I've been relying on highlights and getting the general tone and the gist of what happened from Twitter. But it looks like, a, a, I guess the easy way to describe it is job well done. Would you go along with that?
1: Yeah, it was. It was exactly this kind of banana skin away from home against against a, a team that on paper has considerably less talent than United. That United were miserably losing a few months ago, um, mm-hmm. losing to a few months ago. Uh, what I mean, what the one thing that was a shame for me, and I mean, I ultimately don't care because we went through. But it was just a shame that Derby decided for some absolutely bizarre reason to put out a weakened team themselves. When you look at their league position, they're not. They're not going to go down. They're not going to go up. You know, it just seems such a shame that. that that they made the decision to to put out a weaker a weaker side themselves, but after I'd say probably a sort of fairly uncomfortable first period of the game, I think once Luke Shaw scored, it didn't really ever look like United were gonna were gonna lose that, and it was nice to see us really kind of put away a team that that um, we'd have we'd have sort of struggled to get past a while ago, and and also I mean again I think it it highlighted just what a what an ultimate with hindsight a canny move it was getting a Galo when we did um, in the in the circumstances in that we needed a strike and we only had a few days to do it you know we you know if he's, he's not Haaland but he's actually proved to be a really useful option <laughs> um, as as a starter in those games and also as a, as a substitute
0: no exactly um, i think Getting goals in those manner, in that manner as well, is vital to United at this stage. You know, I think he does offer us something different than the likes of Dan James and Martial and Rashford and Greenwood as well can offer us because he is going to be a consistent presence in and around that penalty area, and he will do a lot more of the sort of the nitty gritty work that the other players aren't necessarily predisposed to doing. And you know, he graphs. You know, I mean, that's one thing that you can certainly give that man in his check column. You know, you look at the way that he. I guess, is the best way of describing that first goal that he got, United second. And he was wise enough to the rebound after a fairly decent first shot after I think it was Matter set him up for the third, his second in the second half, and blasted the rebound into the top corner in the roof of the net, which was an excellent ceiling of the victory as well. And, you know, I think, you know, jumping ahead to City, obviously we've got a bit more to discuss on this derby game first because, you know, somewhat enjoyable and somewhat important. He came on this evening and provided exactly what United needed in the sense that he could hold the ball up and gave us something of an outlet we actually had an out ball for the remaining sort of 10 minutes or so that he was on the pitch and at that point with City not necessarily piling on the pressure but dominating possession that was really vital wasn't it
1: Mm. yeah it was I mean there were there were periods in the second half whilst City didn't necessarily create a bundle of really high quality chances it, it it did look an awful lot like the second half against Liverpool at Anfield. Uh, beg your pardon, against against Liverpool at Old Trafford, um, with United kind of sinking backwards towards their own box and and kind of just desperately defending. And Dan James pr- at times provided a, a quite handy handy outlet up front, although his his decision making on the ball is still very, quite naive. You know, as I guess as you'd expect for a guy who with, with so, so little experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd have the only, my only criticism, Molly, and it's it's very mild because because ultimately he's just been City two nil for the third time this season, so he wins. Um, but I'd have pr- perhaps brought Igalio on slightly slightly earlier because mm. you could see immediately when he came on the effectiveness that, that he had at keeping that ball up, up the top, and yeah. and then he even threw in a little a little back heel manoeuvre, back heel megs manoeuvre for the uh, prior to the McTominay goal.
0: Yeah, he did. We'll get to that in a little <laughs> while as well. But yeah, I mean, obviously there's an element of uh, taking the context into the equation when it comes to that win on Thursday, isn't there? As you mentioned, Derby did actually rest quite a few players, despite the fact that Rooney was in the in the starting 11. And I thought, yeah, I mean, that, that does change things to a certain extent. And maybe that does take a bit of the gloss off the United victory. But at the same time, it's a match that still needs to be navigated. And, you know, winning 3-0 in that sort of fashion giving Fernandes a run out giving Igalo some game much needed game time as well starting from the beginning this time and giving Martial a little bit of a run out because obviously there's been a bit of concern with his injury you know you couldn't really ask for more I've heard Luke Shaw another good game uh, somewhat fortuitous with that uh opening goal but uh yeah once he actually nailed that in and after a slightly rubbish yellow card earlier on the game
1: he seemed to settle and United seemed to settle as a result it's been interesting since Fernandes has come in and I know we've we... His his impact at the club has been wide ranging, and I know there's been a lot of sort of puff pieces in the papers this week about the the significance of his arrival and the the way that his attitude and all the things he's done. But but one of the things that's noticeable is the kind of on field relationships that he's built up with a few players. And I think one of those in the derby game you saw was with Matter And I think when when they played together, and you can play, you, I mean, I don't think you could have played them both together tonight. But no, 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 in an away game against the side where you want to be creating and you you need to take the impetus. I thought they bought the, they brought the best out of each other, and I think it was it was it Watford. I think Matter played started against Watford as well, didn't he? So if I'm if I'm right, that's the second time I think they've played together. We really got an awful lot more out of Matter than we had previously, because mm. I think for for him there's there's been there's been an awful lot of pressure of when he plays to be he's essentially the only actually worthwhile creative talent we've we had in the team, and so he's kind of stuck on the right, and if he doesn't create something, nobody does. Whereas now. It's almost as if Fernandez has taken a bit of that responsibility off matter and that they can actually work together rather than having to produce moments individually themselves and that's just one of the relationships I mean the other relationship I think is with Fernandez and Martial, who appear to have uh, supposedly made sort of hit it off on a personal level but also also on the pitch suddenly suddenly the different areas of United's team are actually linking together rather than being these kind of dysfunctional units that don't didn't necessarily fit into any overall. Kind of structure, and Fernandez is the catalyst.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, the only thing I'm slightly concerned about, you know, as a bit of a sidestep, is just how much we're going to be utilising over the next few weeks. And you mentioned there that he has worked very, very well with Mata when he's actually played in that midfield with him. You know, we're going to be making a quick trip over to Austria on Thursday for the first leg of that last sixteen tie against LASK. And Fernandez played most of the game. You know, it's a tricky game, especially when City dominate possession as you'd expect them to when you're doing a lot of chasing down and then having to really bust the gut to try and get involved in the random attacks that we get. So I'm just concerned, especially because there's no set date for when Pogba's returning that we don't run Fernandez into the ground because I wouldn't be surprised if he starts again on Thursday and then starts again at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday afternoon in the league. So yeah, I guess there is an element because it's not like, you know... we're Yes, he hasn't played a lot for United, but he still played a hell of a lot of football this season. It's not like all the games he played for Sporting prior to signing for us in January are suddenly not a void. Yeah, so he's still. Yeah. Go- There's going to be some element of management and squad management coming into the equation here. And again, is- know, speaking of squad management, no Lingard or Pereira in the team. You know, you'd imagine they'd come into the situation as well. But yeah, I think it's clear so far that Egalo and Fernandez in particular. Just what sort of profound effect they have had already on this run of form since coming into the side. It's been much more enjoyable. We've created much more chances. Yeah, there are certainly kinks that still need to be worked on in the back four. But I think we, we look a more complete unit with more options. And who knew that Solskjaer would actually be able to put a better side out and get better results if he got a couple more players in?
1: Mad. Well, indeed. I'm loath to um, to give United any much credit for anything, but I think Gary Neville was talking afterwards, after the game tonight, and basically saying that whilst United haven't necessarily got in the number of players that we perhaps needed in, in terms of the summer and then in January, what they have done, he he thinks, and I think he's right, is, is that the, the approach to transfers has been more careful, it's been more thoughtful, and it's been a case of, we want these guys, if we can't get these guys, we're not going to buy somebody else, and we want to buy guys who really want to be with us. And again, if you're talking about Igalo, you know, he's...
0: <laughs> I mean, is there anyone being more desperate to join Manchester United than nobody on Judy Garlo?
1: Exactly, but it shows, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it shows. Absolutely. It shows. It shows, in, it shows in his performances, and and there was a lot of talk about how, um, you know, you take it with a pinch of salt, but certainly a lot of suggestions that that Fernandez was absolutely desperate to, to get to United, and you know, really wasn't going to take no for an answer at that point. The one thing I'd say, just going back to what you were saying about the number of games he's played, it's really interesting because um, at Sporting he was basically action man. And he, he he played almost every game for Sporting and be the be the leader of the team every week. Very rarely got injured, and it's just he's like a metronome. And on the pitch, you you notice that he just he doesn't seem to get tired. He he works his arse off, and he's just. I think he's just been an example to everybody else as well. It's just been it's just been incredible. And I think Ollie's slowly realising that you probably can play him twice a week a lot, and it will be fine. And I think that week in that week in Spain during the winter break was a really important week as well. And he just he just seems to have allowed everybody to gel a bit and we actually look like a team at times now rather than just this bunch of individuals that that Spurs now look like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Dick. I mean, the only thing to mention before we talk about our quarterfinal opponents in the shape of Norwich City uh, is that it was, it was nice to see old Wazza again, wasn't it? I mean, only the coldest, cruelest fan... Could uh, begrudge him scoring one of those free kicks, but apparently Sergio Moreno completely did. So, yeah, he didn't let either of those half decent long range efforts go anywhere near the goal. It's so a fair play to him for that. I enjoy a bit of shithousery But, yeah, um you know, it's always nice to see Wayne. You know, I think absence over the last several years, knowing that the problem is the wrong word, but knowing that he isn't a United player and it isn't causing us issues in terms of our team selection and how he's playing it's nice not to have that anymore and i'm sure when he retires if he ever fancies a job as a club ambassador or if he just returns if he's just doing punditry he'll be welcome with open arms you know and I'm, he fully deserves that for the commitment yeah, that he gave to the club yeah. over the years and that, that you know it's a nicer way to remember him now not playing for us these days to be quite frank but yeah still lovely to see him but yes norwich city now i did find myself squidging over to extra time slash penalties at uh, spurs versus norwich on wednesday i mean number one an amazing penalty shootout number two what a hilarious game it was a really hilarious game I and mean, I, I kind of had them both on at the same time i mean like did you really enjoy the sheffield wednesday city game i can't i mean I, once they scored uh, i was like oh this isn't going to get watched anymore i was much more interested to see if norwich could scrounge an equalizer
1: yeah exactly yeah um and certainly, you know, Spurs were ahead in the first half and probably just about deserved it. But the way that they, the way that they retreated, the way that they just reverted to nothing in the second half against the team at home who they should really be certainly beating and, and almost certainly dominating the majority of the game was was very very familiar. It reminded me an awful lot of um, Celta Vigo in the Europa League in Mourinho season one, or, or quite a lot of other other games under Mourinho at home against teams where we should have been taking the impetus and didn't. I mean, that, that the, the Celta game was almost the carbon copy of this game in that United were the better side for the first half an hour or so, took the lead and then just regressed to box-minded cavemen and um, were very, very, very lucky not to get turned over. You know, the difference in, in Spurs' game was that Norwich did score a goal, which had absolutely been coming for about 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. and yeah I mean it was it was just hilarious it's it, it just really it is really interesting watching another team and seeing everything that we saw happening there and the kind of the thought processes and the, and the evolution that their fans go through watching it from afar as opposed to when we were in it and seeing them go through the same kind of emotional responses as we did and I think that you know mm-hmm. you, it's completely split again you've got you've got the Spurs fans who are absolutely certain that Mourinho is doing his best and that that it's Levy and it's the players and it's everybody else's fault and those who are thinking you know what we've employed this guy who's supposed to be one of the greatest managers in the world on an awful lot of money and this team is just bilge Um, (laughs) and and you see you kind of see the same you know he's saying the same negative things isn't he and he's, he's digging players out really publicly and and it's just kind of stuff that certainly United no, nobody, none of the players really responded to, and you know he did the same about Andon this weekend, and and it's just it's just really interesting. But Spurs, but Spurs do look exactly like what United did for a very long period under under Mourinho, and that that Norwich thoroughly deserved to get through in that game. And uh, given that that um, Tim Krull is the penalty meister, that literally the, the the most specialist penalty saver in in humanity. Well, to be
0: fair, if you spend that much time coming off your line before the penalty is actually taken, you're going to save a fair few.
1: Well, you are. You are. I mean, but, you know, who, da- who <laughs> dares getting wins? getting away with it, Rich. Who, da- who dares wins? But there you go. Exactly, um, yeah. if, if the referees don't stop it. Um, I was almost watching it and thinking it doesn't really matter who we play here because I, I'm not afraid of and this famous last words. I'm not, I wouldn't be, have been afraid to go to Spurs playing like they are now. In the next round of the cup at the moment i'm not afraid to go to norwich in the next round of the cup which is a really strange and unusual feeling isn't it for us given that really any any away game looked like some insurmountable hurdle that we, we couldn't possibly overcome or, or that we had a very very slim chance of overcoming for a very long time
0: yeah the difference is you know i think number one going over to carrow road i think United will still absolutely approach that game against norwich with the greatest of respect you know it, it, it's a fantastic opportunity for the club to get to an FA Cup semi-final you know Wembley trips have not been flowing freely ever since 2013 so I'll certainly enjoy that trip should we be able to get past Norwich and it's it's a massive game and I think the difference is over this last month or so with this set of results when it comes to looking at games like this with our current abilities and and looking at the players available to us you just feel a little bit more confident than you would have done several months ago. You know, it, it, the difference is somewhat startling in some ways when you think about the fact that we clearly have more weapons in our arsenal, and we've only added two players into the equation. You know, Martial has come into the equation with Rashford injured, and he keeps scoring big, big goals, which is absolutely huge for him and it's huge for the team. Fernandez is making that attack tick far better. Igala gives us another option off the bench. You've got McTominay coming back into the fold as well, who's been really great since he's come back from injury. Nemanja Matic, you know, quick side note for him. He signed a new contract. And again, who would have thought, yeah, five months ago, would you have dared say, oh, that's fantastic. That's actually half decent news. I'm all right with that. i accept that willingly. You know, there is more of a danger about Manchester United now. And you've got to tip your hat to the likes of Igalo and Fernandez for the impact that they've had since coming in. And I think it does give me a, a wary but somewhat excited feel between now and the end of May. Again, famous last words because we've been in this situation before and it wasn't that long ago that we were getting incredibly upset after that awful result against Burnley at home. Obviously, there's a, a, a level of perspective that you've got to bring into the equation. But now I'm excited. I'm enjoying the football again. And you go into a game against Mourinho, against Spurs next Sunday, thinking, right, what are we going to see? This is. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this. I'm expecting a good performance.
1: Yeah, I mean one of the one of the things again, if we, you know, as Spurs are coming up anyway, that we're kind of comparing with Mourinho. One of the things that I've really enjoyed is is actually seeing players, United players, improve again. Because I, you know, I, I was saying, and I and I think I think I was largely right with with no sense of flippancy that I could honestly probably count on one hand the number of players that had significantly improved as footballers at United since Fergie's retirement. Be honest, um, mm-hmm. and certainly under Mourinho, I couldn't honestly tell you a single, a single United player that that made a really significant improvement of, in their game, or, or that or that was a better player than they had been, either when they were bought or or when they came into the team. And Sergio Romero. Well, I suppose yeah, that's that's true, but he's a goalie. He, he, Mourinho didn't train him anyway, or something. Or something. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, no, but 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 you know, I look at that team now, and and, and you can probably pick out. Five or six, or maybe even seven players who are offering more than they either did under Mourinho or or than when they first came into the team or or signed for United. That's the really heartening thing. It's just really nice to see United players improving again. I mean, it, it's almost it's almost because Dan James as I think we we'd all agree, has has regressed a fair bit from his performance at the start of the season, which I think is understandable given the circumstances. But the fact that his kind of regression is so notable is because it really hasn't happened with anybody else. It's been the it's been the exception rather than the norm. And that's just it's just really nice to see. It's just really nice to see <clears throat> signings that, are, that actually perform signings that actually come off and you can say, yeah, he's really improved us. And just to see a team that you you can actually see coming together and there's the potential for it to grow. Yeah, it's absolutely huge.
0: Just before we get into that city business, delighted to say once again that this week's episode is brought to you in association with the Pitch Sport Football app, which can be downloaded on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store right now. Set your favourite team, make up your own starting 11s and have your say on United. And this week's video question, we're asking for your favourite Manchester derby memories after Sunday night's 2-0 win. Was it the 4-3 in 2009, stopping the league title win in 2018 or cancelling on the FA Cup back in the 90s? Send us your responses and we will feature the best ones in next week's episode yes now then back to that city game it was a weird feeling in the sense over these last several years in the sense that i haven't necessarily ever i don't think looked forward properly to a manchester derby with anything else than a complete trepidation it's been palpable over these last few years especially as pep guardiola's got city you know winning the league at a canter you know two years ago and then last year obviously pit Liverpool to the post but still look fantastic in the process and domestically anyway coming into this game on the back of in terms of the derbies that we'd had a decent performance at the Etihad a rubbish performance at Old Trafford in the League Cup followed by a useful one at the Etihad in the second leg obviously that didn't really bear fruit because we'd the damage had already been done in the game prior given that I think it's fair to suggest that City have lost a little bit of an edge knowing that Liverpool at least domestically losing their edge anyway knowing that Liverpool are winning the league and waltzing towards the Premier League title at this exact stage it's understandable that they lose a little bit of an edge and it's also understandable looking at the way the team is set up without Kevin De Bruyne that they might have struggled a little bit today but having said that today that win is huge for United obviously you saw the difference between a team that doesn't necessarily have a lot to play for versus one that does and the one that did have something to play for was wearing red (laughs)
1: It did. But I also think that we put right or wrong, didn't we? Because that home defeat in the League Cup, first leg, semi-final, first leg, was absolutely humiliating. Mm-hmm. And there's no way of getting around that. We, we probably could and should have lost that six or seven. It could have been one of the most humiliating home performances we've we'd we'd ever seen from United. So... To go from there to here, where we've, I, th- I would say, I think deservedly beaten City today, even if City mm. dominated possession and, and territory, I think that United created certainly as many high-quality chances as City did. And I think it all it also just showed the way the team's developed and also the difference that Bruno Flanders makes, because... We went from a counter-attacking system uh, to not have Rashford and to still be able to pull off that counter-attacking system and uh, effectively and win games using it is is quite impressive. And I think that Bruno makes that an awful lot of difference. And if you think you look at the influence that he had on the first goal today, there's no way on this earth that United would have tried that free kick if Bruno weren't a United player and 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 Andres Pereira was being was standing <laughs> over the ball.
0: No, 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 not at all. I mean, you're talking about that first leg in the, uh, the League Cup semi-final. The huge difference between what we saw today and what we saw in that game was United were able to roll with that start, that first 15, 20 minutes. And even when they came under pressure, obviously you didn't concede a goal today. But even when we did come under pressure, we didn't buckle. Yes, we made mistakes, and that defense was not necessarily particularly fluid, and it was really loose on occasion. You know, Shaw and Maguire, and even Lindelof at times, were guilty of giving the ball away in really bad positions, but we managed to get away with it, primarily because we were playing with that back five when we weren't in possession. So we, it kind of worked out. But regardless, you know, having a player like Maguire, despite the fact that he didn't have his fantastic, most fantastic game, and also bringing Matic bashing into the equation. You know, when, all oh right, there's obviously an element of context that comes into Matic coming into the side that was losing 3 0 at half time in that semi final. And certainly things down. Obviously, it was 3 0, so City didn't really have to go for any more goals. But it was notable how much more control we had on proceedings and how we we're able to actually get out quicker. And the fact that things certainly calmed down in the second half of that match and were able to get a little bit of a foothold. With this game today, you saw the difference that can actually make. And when you've got someone like Fernandez, who is offering some creativity in midfield, you don't have to worry so much about someone like Matisse's shortcomings. That midfield three actually worked quite well. You know, again, Fredro had another useful performance if not you know it wasn't one of his best by any stretch of the imagination but you could see the plan that was forming there and I think you know Neville Gary Neville was completely spot on on Sky commentary today he was saying there was an element within that first 15-20 minutes where United were essentially scoping City out and they did have a couple of sites at goal here or there but nothing that you could say desperately yeah they should have scored from that apart from maybe Sterling's shot that De Gea sent wide it wasn't necessarily struck that fantastically well and once United started putting City under pressure I mean Speaking of Bruno, twice, twice this evening, in wonderful acres of space. Both Martial and Dan James failed to find him, or just didn't bother looking up. I would have driven me absolutely spare. But regardless, you know, we started as you said there, creating some really good opportunities, and we were maybe not, maybe not fantastic value for that first goal. But you know, I don't think we're undeserving of it, right?
1: No, no, not at all. One of the things that we're seeing, and those those pullbacks or lack of pullbacks are an example, is that I think uh, some of the other players are still learning what Bruno wants, what Bruno needs, where Bruno's going to be. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I think we all agree that they should all just give Bruno whatever he wants yeah, at any true. given time. They're, they're still just kind of learning to play with a competent attacking midfielders during number 10 in there. But I think he, he also makes a difference in that Matic has provided a very solid base in front of the back four which i think has helped a lot in terms of reducing the goals conceded and fred and fernandez are so energetic and, and relentless they essentially provide the legs which just allows Matic to sit and do what he does best and i think if you brought pogba back in say for fred or well, for fernandez or whichever i think you would ha- it wouldn't work as well which is really interesting because he supposedly um, I think Oli said that he's he's likely to be starting to train with the team this week I I would as much as I think that Pog was an extravagantly gifted player I wouldn't bring him back into this team right now but Tomine coming back's given Oli another option who's very energetic who can who can who can do the running for for Matich? So we've we've just we've we've kind of found a really nice balance in that midfield that we just didn't have before, and so we've gone from this this midfield where you looked at the various options and thought they're not great anyway, but how on earth do they all fit together, to a place where those three do make sense in in concert with each other, and I think that's the basis on which United were able to to build today. In that we we defended as a team very very well, but were able to spring out quickly and transition the ball quickly. At times in the game when we really needed to to get upfield quickly,
0: yeah. Well, there are opportunities, especially down United's right flank and City's left channel, essentially on Mottomendi's mm. side. Consistently, they sort of dried up to a certain extent because City had so much of the ball, and we wouldn't we weren't able to break as much as we potentially would have liked. But the opportunities were there, and I think yeah, it wasn't surprising that we made City pay because there was an element of. I wouldn't necessarily say sloppiness, but it wasn't the typical intensity that we've been used to seeing from City in these sort of derby games. Not this time around, anyway. And I think that first half... I mean, Michael Richards was, stunningly enough, not necessarily very happy with that free kick award. Um... I can understand that to an extent, but then again, did it not even out somewhat with the fact that uh, Mike Dean booked Fred for what looked like getting kicked on the shin and not deciding to stand up? Anyway, we'll come back to that in a minute. As you said there, you know, it was great from Fernandes to actually have the vision and the quick thinking to send Marcial through. I mean, the funny thing is with Marcial, it was only a couple of minutes prior that he was failing to look up and see Fernandes just on the edge of the penalty area. He could definitely have at least stroked something on target and potentially given us the lead prior to that. But again, you know, he's finding himself in good positions. Did he get lucky? Yes, he did, because Edison definitely spilled that in. And normally you would expect a a keeper of his caliber to save that. But I don't think we're undeserving of that lead. And I think, you know, potentially we could have easily have gone up 2-0. You know, I think Wan-Bissaka had a couple of really good chances to get decent crosses in on the right flank. You know, talking about that penalty, I mean, Mike Dean gave it a little moment before pulling it back for booking Fred. I'm surprised that VAR didn't make more of that because essentially what they're saying is, yes, there was contact, but there wasn't sufficient contact for him to go down like that. That's a very, very difficult thing to judge and you can clearly see Otamendi kicked Alfred on the shin there. That was a weird one.
1: I think it's one of those ones where, as much as you've got technology, I think referees will all, and, and by, by extension, referees who are operating the VAR will still be influenced by the degree to which the team that feels aggrieved or that feels they should be getting something has responded to it, and what you saw happen was that Fred went down, and no United player appealed for a penalty.
0: Now, or protest when he got booked either.
1: No, exactly. You know, so it seemed. It seemed certainly from their perspectives that, that there wasn't anything untoward had happened, and I think in that circumstance, it's very, very easy as a as a referee to just assume that the players know best. And I guess if you're if you're if you're operating the VAR and you're sitting in this in a box however many hundred miles away, I'm sure there's a part of you that's thinking, well, look, I'm I'm this distance away and I've got the video, but I didn't see, I didn't see it close up in real time. And if none of the players are appealing for it, then perhaps in real time on the pitch, it just wasn't a foul. I think if you know, if United players had gone a bit bananas and were chasing the referee around, that would have put a bit more pressure on the VAR um, official to, to look into it, but it was just—I mm. think it was just too easy a decision to make without any significant protest against against the call.
0: Well, either that or it was easy not to make a decision about giving it a proper review. But regardless, you know. And I think speaking of VAR as well. Oh gosh, you go into that Aguero chance there just in the second half. On that replays, it looked very, very tight. And not only that, there was no whistle. Yes, the flag had gone up. And yes, you heard Martin Tyler on the commentary say, yeah, he's flagged for offside. It's play to the whistle. <laughs> it's very, very simple. De Gea did not do a thing to stop that from going in. He basically had stopped because he assumed it was going to be offside. You can't do that. you know. I think United could very easily have found themselves in a difficult situation there. And maybe the decision was somewhat influenced by the fact that United clearly stopped because the offside flag had gone up. But Coaching-wise, you've got to be telling your players to make sure you're playing to the whistle and not to respond to the offside flag because there's every chance, especially with the use of video technology, that you're going to get found out and you're going to be unlucky. And I think, to be fair, we were a little bit lucky to get away with that one because it certainly looked like Aguero was holding the line quite well.
1: I think what's I think what's difficult is that United, in that, in that circumstance, De Gea was slightly a victim of the inconsistent way in which linesmen are... Um, flagging off sides because, as I as I understand it, or at least some of the some of the linesmen seem to be working on the basis that in that circumstance you let the play go, and then raise your flag when play goes dead or when the fa- that phase of play stops, put your flag up, and then if it, if it's wrong, VAR can work it out and and correct it. Whereas the flag went straight up there for a call, which, as you say, when we saw it afterwards, must have been an inch or two. In, you know on or off, I think players, understandably, given it's the, the 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 basis on which they've worked their entire careers, if they see the flag go up, you assume that's offside, and we and we saw we saw exactly that thing happen at Sheffield United early in the season with Newcastle scoring when Sheffield United just stopped, and I think John Joe Shelby scored, so it, it, maybe that's just a little a little um, a little lesson that that United need to just have a word with De Gea and, and, and the rest of the back four and just say look you just keep playing whether the flag goes up or not and then we'll work it could be worked out afterwards.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And I think, you know, going into the rest of that second half, that was realistically, despite a lot of corners and a lot of pressure, that was probably realistically closest City got. You know, there was a a half decent cross, I think it was from Mares for Sterling that he wasn't able to get hold of, and then a decent save from De Gea that he did well to palm out into a safe, relatively safe spot into his penalty area. And uh, this one it's thing I want to get your thoughts shot, on, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Phil Ford. I mean, he was really hyped up uh, prior to the game. You know, saying this essentially, Sky Sports was trying to give it that his time had come narrative. And again, I thought he looked useful, but I think in a team that was you know is famed for its intensity and its high pressing and its its transitions and its speed and its power he did look a little bit essentially like a complete mirror image of the rest of the players playing around him you know lots of effort lots of probing but not necessarily much end products and i think that was kind of that was the key for city today is that they just didn't really have that edge that they typically have in these situations to really force the issue And one thing I did want to ask you about, though, because this is often something that we criticize Solskjaer for when it comes to game management and picking substitutions at the right time. Now, obviously, uh, Martial and James were struggling uh, in the sense that they were getting very little of the ball and having to chase down a lot. James had a lot of success down that right flank, but couldn't necessarily translate that into a decent cross-slash shot. Uh, as the game wore on and City kept on pressurising, do you think Oli actually got his tactics right and his substitutions right? I mean, what would you have done differently, essentially?
1: I think I think he probably did. I mean, we've both been quite critical of his, of his game management throughout throughout the season.
0: Yes, it's been bad at times.
1: It has been bad at times, but but I mean, on this occasion, he he identified the issues that were that were in play. I mean, but I think probably the biggest was the fact that um, Williams was getting a bit of a running by. Mares and City were becoming increasingly dangerous down their right hand side and so to get Williams off, to get Shaw out to, to left back and eventually get Bailly on at centre back as well and then the, the decision to take off Martial at the moment he did it I was thinking that, that's a, that's quite a call to, to take off Martial over James who whilst James was proving a very useful outlet as you said he wasn't necessarily producing any end product but as soon as Zagallo came on he he was immediately holding the ball up very effectively and really giving United an outlet that we didn't have at that point in the game um, which allowed us really to, to get through the last whatever it was 10 minutes of the game without really any, any big scares so I mean I think for once I think Oli's game management was 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 pretty decent. The, the only thing I'd think I'd have done differently was perhaps bring a gala one earlier, but but as I say Oli Ollie won the game against City 2-0 and he's beaten Pep three times, so who am I mm-hmm. to uh, to tell him what to do in a in a game against Pep's Manchester City team?
0: Uh true and uh in the last two I mean obviously this is stats with an agenda. <laughs> We've kept City quiet now for Five halves of football. Good grief. Mm. It's this interesting thing, just this complete disparity between how sections of United's fan base view Oli's abilities. And yes, I'm not going to sit here and say he is the absolute best manager slash United manager that we could have potentially in charge at the minute. But over the last couple of months, and in particular since we've seen Fernandez and Agallo come into the equation, we're starting to see a return to the form that made Ed Woodward and the board given the job aren't we you know I mean I think there is more of a determined edge about United they seem to have more ability they seem to have more ideas and obviously it helps when you've got creative players like Bruno Fernandes and he's basically given the freedom to express himself and obviously it helps when you have a couple of players back from injury and obviously it helps when you've got people like Marcial having excellent (laughs) times in front of goal But regardless of that, you know, it's difficult for me to not give any credit to Solskjaer with the way that this run has panned out. Especially considering what we've seen this season. We've seen United stumble repeatedly. Maybe not in the bigger games, because you know our record against the teams that are currently above us is not that shabby. You know, we've played seven games against the teams above us at the moment. So let's see. Beat City both times. Beat Chelsea both times. Beat Leicester. Drew against Liverpool, obviously lost to Liverpool, and we got Leicester on the final game of the season. It's not a terrible record, you know, and considering, obviously, it's not the best league ever, I think there's an element to say that Solskjaer is, obviously, there's a limited approach to this, but he's taken what limited weapons United have got, and he's maximising them. Obviously, it'd be better if we could be a little bit stronger in all departments, and there could be a bit more fluidity, but he's turned he's turning United into something of an effective side, at least for the time being, against somewhat you know quite unquote weaker opponents and teams that are purportedly on a much higher level than we are. And I think that deserves some credit at the very least.
1: I'd like to think that he's learning. I mean, it's it's kind of one of the frustrations of the the last group of managers we've had since Fergie left is that essentially what you've got at the start is what you've. Exactly what you got at the end. So none of them really adapted their approach or or adapted the way they were they were coaching at any point during their their time at the club, and ultimately that was the downfall because I don't think Moyes had the technical capacity to to adapt himself to any any beyond what he was. Lvg was very very as you'd expect from a very very experienced manager. He had his ways and his ways were his ways, and they either they either worked or they didn't. But he wasn't going to adapt anything to. To, ch- to change anything and then and Mourinho is Mourinho and and United was dodged at the start and they were dodged at the end and Mourinho kept doing the things that Mourinho does I think with Olly we have seen a degree of evolution I didn't necessarily think he had it in him I don't know but I-, I wasn't sure that he would be able to to adapt but perhaps that was me just being used to managers that don't adapt
0: no I mean you were right to be skeptical though and you talked about improving players as well All right, Nemanja Matic hasn't been an absolute world beater, but he's certainly had an uptick in form and proved something over the last couple of months. Fred looks a little bit more like the player that we spent 50 odd million quid on, and he didn't. um, I don't think under any point under Mourinho, he looked anywhere near that sort of value of player. We had no idea why we brought him under Mourinho, was essentially the point I'm trying to get at there. And then, you know, Rashford's had his best season and United shirt yeah I mean there's examples all over the pitch as well you know you see Luke Shaw has obviously had his sort of typical season where he showed in fits and starts that you can actually be quite a good defender slash left back but there are examples with the likes of Mason Greenwood and Brandon Williams as well yeah and McTominay as well he was also starting to become a good midfield operator you know it's fair to say that speaking of good midfield operators McSauce <laughs> with yeah. a quite wonderful touch for the second goal deep into stoppage time I mean I've got to admit even at that stage you talked about the Liverpool game when the clock was sticking down at that game at Old Trafford early on the season I was still concerned the difference was with this game against City yeah I was still a bit nervous but I wasn't anywhere near as tense and that second goal the way it went in second absolute howler from Edison. But what a finish from distance as well! First touch, take it, t- take it first time like that. Great goal!
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It was, a, it was a brilliant finish, and it was the whole thing was kind of assisted by the the soaking wet rain and and pitch, wasn't it? And Edison did, did have an absolute nightmare. But yeah, I mean, I guess it was a um, kind of hit to glory, wasn't it? You know, that late in the game, you you just go for it because you, you want to get the ball as far away from the goal as possible, and there's no you've got nothing to lose by having a go at it and I think it's probably demonstrates how far McTominay's come technically as well in the last certainly this season you know I think he's he's become a far better footballer than I imagined that he could and I still have I still have concerns about areas of his game as to whether he's likely or good enough to be a long term starter for United um, in in a successful team but he's he's developed a quite a few areas of his game quite considerably and he is a much better technician than he was and I think one of the things with Tomine is as well that he's, he's clearly always been a very confident guy he always seems to say what he exactly what he's thinking and he, and he clearly is is happy to try things and willing to try things you know that mindset is half of the half the uh, challenge isn't it you, if you said exactly mm. the same with bruno fernandez that part of it has been his technical ability which is levels above anybody else that we've had in a similar position for for quite some time but but the other half of it is his mentality and just believing that when he does things, when he tries these things, they're going to come off. And to keep trying them because he th- he knows he thinks or knows he's good enough. That was a finish from the Tomine of a guy who who backs himself, and he he absolutely does back himself. And and he took it on, and it was an absolutely perfect finish from 30, 35 yards.
0: Five goals for him this season for a player who is not regarded as a creative force. It's not rubbish, is it?
1: No, it's not. I mean, he is he is becoming a a kind of. All-action utility midfielder, isn't he? He does a bit mm. of everything. He's not necessarily exceptional at any one quality, but he he does everything. So so you he, you can mould him to whatever you need from him in any any given game. So and and he has you know he's he's a good enough finisher that he if you want him to play further at the pitch or you want him to press high, you've got a chance of getting a goal out of him.
0: Oh, good for the soul beating city like that, isn't
1: it? It, it was needed. Would wasn't? recommend it really was. I would yeah. recommend. I mean, I really think that this our season. Really, the way the season ended in terms of results, and also in terms of the way we felt at the end of it, really w- was in the balance at this point. I think these two games against City and Spurs are absolutely essential to to how the season ended and, and, and how we felt about the whole thing afterwards, and the, the, the feel good factor within the club. And we've yeah. we've we've started with a win, and we've given ourselves the chance to for a, a really strong finish to the season and maybe we can even snatch a Champions League place which frankly looked in December, early January time absolutely laughable. Mm. I mean, again,
0: with it being a year since PSG it's an interesting point to look back on obviously i wouldn't put this city victory on a par with uh that night in paris because obviously different shakes it's a really encouraging victory for united in a game that i don't think many of us were expecting to win but certainly expected something of a result you know i, I expected united to be relatively solid and not get absolutely pumped and i thought maybe we could do something if we can get the first goal lo and behold we did and we did a relatively good job of keeping city out Great result, it's fantastic to have beaten City three times and it's nice that we've kept this uh, streak of avoiding defeats running. The thing is, we've got to keep doing it and this is the challenge now for Solskjaer and this was a problem as soon as we hit that rough patch. As soon as we lost to Arsenal, got knocked out the FA Cup by Wolves a year ago, it spiralled out of our control so quickly and all it needed from United was what a couple more victories in that back end of the season and we wouldn't need be talking about this because potentially we'd be in the Champions League and things would have looked a lot different. The thing is now, and this has been so consistently a problem, United have got to stay consistent, you know, and it is... I wouldn't imagine an easy game in London next Sunday afternoon, not by a long shot. You know, Mourinho will not want to get turned over in front of his old team again on Spurs' pitch. I keep forgetting what the name of that flipping stadium is. Is it the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Are they not coming up with anything better yet?
1: I don't know. It's in a new White Hart lane or something.
0: Not White Hart lame. Oh, no, oh wow. new White that, Hart <laughs> lane. No, lame. That'll be the title for next week's episode if we that actually will, win.
1: That'll be, the, that'll be the, the, the Daily Star front cover won't he, after, we, after we've beaten them 4-0. Oh,
0: God. Actually, the Daily Star doing it. I don't want to do it. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> going back to that point, it's so vital for United now to try and keep this run going. You know, it, it'll be a an interesting occasion on Thursday night when we go to Austria. And I'm assuming there's going to be quite a bit of rotation. You know, Matter will come in. Agala will start from the beginning. You would imagine Eric Bailly will start as well. You know, there's there's options for United. It means that we can rotate a little bit more, which is great because a lot of these players have been playing a lot of football lately and need a little bit of a rest because there's still plenty more to come. And all we've done at the minute is give ourselves a chance in what is arguably a completely mad premier league season we've got the chance to go in and really make a difference in the europa league we've got the opportunity to at least get to a semi-final if not the final depending on how the quarterfinal shakes out if we're able to beat norwich and we've given ourselves an opportunity to get top floor slash five and who knows if that'll be good for europe at this point or that's all we've done so far we've given ourselves a chance yesterday was enjoyable but it's up to ollie and the players to try and see this through and until they're able to Get through to a finish line in either the FA Cup or the Europa League or the top four race. That's all it's going to be. You know, question marks are going to remain until they actually prove something.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're fortunate now in that after the after the Spurs game, I think United have got as soft a fixtures as any of the other teams in the in the top four race. Chelsea have got a really quite tricky um, end to the season from here. I think um, Wolves have got relatively relatively soft fixtures but then it, it seems as if Wolves kind of had the same problem that, that we've had in that they perform far better against the better teams struggle to dominate in those games against teams who don't come out and actually have a go at them but it, it is it's, it's a really fascinating race because you know obviously we've got it we've got the, the Europa League as well you've got Sheffield United who still playing very well but who haven't got that distraction of those extra games to distract them so and, and I, I do think this this game and um Austria is, is probably a harder one than we than we imagine. My my cursory research into into Lask tells me that they're currently above Salzburg in the Austrian league at the top of the league and they've Stuffed PSV this season and um, Sporting Lisbon and you know a few a few pretty good teams. So it's not one that United can afford to take lightly. So I think we're at a point now where the three competitions we're in, we can't we can't take any of the games lightly. So we've just got to keep going from week to week and trying to get trying to get through the next game or win the next game and just see where we end up.
0: No, no, completely true. I mean, you mentioned there, uh, Wolves have got a bit of a tricky maybe not a tricky run but they've certainly got some questions to be answered over the next uh, two months or so Sheffield United have got a filthy run in you know they've basically got to, got to play pretty much everyone in or around them bar Liverpool and City so they've still got to play Leicester Chelsea Wolves United uh, Arsenal as well in the FA Cup I think so they've got a rubbishy fixture this coming up which is good because they're still technically uh, got a game in hand over us and could leapfrog us in 5th should they win Anyway, uh, should we round off with some Twitter observations and questions from our fine friends?
1: Let's do it.
0: Absolutely. Right, let's begin. Uh, Tariq Amir, it's nice when the opposition goalkeeper makes errors leader to goals, isn't it? Yes, Tariq. It really makes a change. Really makes a change
1: from it being ours, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, man. I mean, I guess that it feels even sweeter to have got this victory today, especially after Chelsea pumped Everton. And obviously, there's a factors taken to the equation that Everton haven't lost at Goodison Park under Ancelotti but it does it did at the time especially prior to kick off this afternoon it did make me wonder about settling for the draw essentially and just how potentially difficult that could be come the end of the season but it ended up Mm. working out all right so there we go in all seriousness the back three worked well and bar that sterling chance and marginal offside ball uh, City didn't seem to create many clear-cut chances yeah Uh, at that James boy simply says Arg.
1: Yep, that's largely how I felt.
0: about so, all right. Yep. Uh, Adam Williams, uh, great game today. Do you think the back five could be effective against smaller teams as well? And has Luke Shaw found a home at centre back? He's been impressive there on multiple occasions this season.
1: I like us with 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 the four against against the, the sort of weaker teams at home. Certainly, at least. Um,
0: yeah, I think it's too subservient to give a back five. At Nazanto, how much do we love Bruno? Now, mate, I loved him as soon as he signed for us. So you know.
1: He's great. I mean, he he's been great since the first. Minute, did you see it? him
0: shush Guardiola? <laughs> I,
1: I did. I didn't see it, but I did. I did hear about it, and I, I'm, I'm very pleased. I, I loved the um, the bench actually. When the second goal went in, they 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 went to the bench and they showed kind of showed the reactions, and he and Martial went absolutely batty, and then were like jumping up and down in each other's arms. Uh, I think there's a real a real bromance developing there, isn't there?
0: I can Yeah. Uh, Alex Wormall didn't Agarlo do well when he came on he really did lovely back heel to set Fred up for the pass that wasn't close enough to James to actually make a chance but obviously uh, Edison did his thing so that was nice yeah, yes, yeah. I- I'm enjoying Odeon Agarlo at the moment and I hope mm. he c- he just keeps this run of form up you know I don't think this is the thing with Agarlo. I think this thought process should be mirrored by United's players and United's fans. Yes, it's been an alright couple of weeks, but we haven't proved anything yet. Galo, I'm sure, would like to start thinking in, his dream, in a dream scenario that he might actually get offered maybe a year contract with United at the moment, but he can't it be thinking that me. far ahead. It, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. It's a very United thing to do, I and mean, we could probably get the deal done for relatively cheap. But... There's still plenty more of games to play. There's still plenty more to prove. So far, we haven't done enough yet. And I think Igalo has come in and certainly gone past expectations to an extent in the sense that he's scored, you know, three useful goals. But we need a bit more. And I'm looking forward to seeing him provide that with any luck. Andy McCoy, Oli 3, Pep 2. <laughs> How many other managers boast a positive record against Pep with such a sample size?
1: No, well, I mean, imagine imagine Oli being your bogey manager. Or often or, or <laughs> your... I mean, basically, Lampard and... Uh, and, and... And Guardiola have both got to mull over that, haven't they? Is that when the winter season comes to a close and wonder why exactly Ollie's got the Indian sign over them? Uh,
0: and Darren Greer follows up from that with how many managers have beaten Pep three times in a season?
1: <laughs> not even not.
0: Jose managed that when he was good.
1: No, no, I don't think they have. I, 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 they were saying during the game today actually that Pep's never lost seven games in a season in a, in a league season, which he has, which he has now, and two of those were against Ollie. So yeah, rah. so raw.
0: They've only lost one less league game this season than we have.
1: Yeah, incredible, really, isn't it? It's it just—it's it, it, just—it's it, just—it's just annoying. The question has been asked: Why? Who we not signed? Did we not sign Bruno Fernandes in in the summer? And you can you can say, well, perhaps they wanted a lot more money. But but ultimately, I think if he'd have been at the club from august we we'd probably be pretty comfortably in the top four now and, and and given that we're only are we 12 points behind city now i think it's 12 isn't it we're only it 12, 12 points behind we city do have now. a game in hand but still we wouldn't be very far behind them i don't think if we'd if we'd actually signed a, a competent player in a position where we really 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 needed a competent player um in the summer but hey ho, let's not let's not um let's you know biggest can't be choosers so let's just be grateful that we have actually got him now
0: Sure, uh, Ian Byrne. Will we win two trophies and finish third?
1: No, I think that's probably a bit much. But um, <laughs> but, I, but I do I do have hopes that we can achieve at least one of the three things that we're still in at the moment. And and, and two months ago, I wouldn't have had any hope at all. So that's yeah, that's exactly. really signs of of, of of improvement.
0: Sure, we're giving ourselves a chance in each of the yeah. competitions and each of the goals that we still got left to try and achieve this season. Last of the night from Siddharth Shrikumar. Uh, all these record in big games is clearly not a coincidence at this point. Rashford, McTominay, Fred have come on and leaps some and bounds under him. Sure, Martial having their best seasons at United. Signings have generally been shrewd despite glazonomics. Is Ollie low key quite good at his job?
1: I think he's getting a lot. He's get, he's improved at his job. Certainly. I yeah. mean, I, I, I I'm I'm in the position now. I was I was I have been at points quite close to saying, look, I just don't think he he can do this. But I, I do am... think you've
0: been quite close to it at points, Rich. I think we both said it, recorded it, and then released it as an episode.
1: Yeah, well, we have. I mean, I've never, I've never felt in the same way as Mourinho. I, I, I was absolutely set on Mourinho going for a very long time, yeah, and I've yeah. never, I've never felt that like, like, completely committed to the idea of Oli going. I just felt that it got to a point where it wasn't wasn't really sustainable for him to continue if if results were as they were, and really the United season may have depended on it. But the reality is that he's dug himself out of that, and ultimately, if he gets in the Champions League this season and or wins a cup competition, I I can't honestly say that I think he deserves to be sacked and and for someone else to be appointed. I'm kind of in the position now that I'm just happy to see where it goes and if if, if he keeps this up, then I've no issue with him being manager of Manchester United next season.
0: No, I mean, if he picks up a trophy, either one, and gets us into the top four, it's going to be impossible to get rid of him. And I think with the way things have gone over the last couple of months, I'm sure this is a lot closer to the season that Solskjaer envisaged. And I think that there are certainly tactical imbalances and deficiencies that Solskjaer has when it comes to really trying to plot a route through a variety of teams. I think big game management, that's generally been all right. Yes, there have been problems. Yes, he's made substitutions late on and all this sort of stuff. I think... On the whole, he is getting, at the moment, a lot more right than wrong. We've not always been able to say that during the course of this season. And again, you mentioned that w- wouldn't it have been great if we got Bruno through the door uh, back in September, August time. God, wouldn't it have been good if the Glazers and the board had properly backed him? You know, If we had signed a few more players, if we hadn't taken so long to pay for release clauses and the entirety of the funds for wan and Maguire got people in a bit sooner you know, giving ourselves more options in midfield because that's really been the crutch of this season. That's the story of the season, isn't it? As soon as Pogba was out, we had nothing to offer creatively. And as soon as Fernandes comes in, as soon as they committed some money to a player with a lot of promise but with proven quality, albeit in a lesser league, he's come into this side and completely transformed it. We look dangerous. We look like we can score goals we look a lot less predictable than we did a little while ago whilst Oli certainly got some deficiencies and I think tactically he still has a fair amount to learn in order for us to fully get up to a level you know, when we're challenging for you know Premier League or Champions League and obviously there's question marks over his ability to actually provide that and I don't think anyone would be suggesting you know, there's evidence so far to suggest that he can take United up to Liverpool's level at the moment, there's certainly an element with the players that have come in over the last couple of weeks to suggest that Had United properly backed this manager and properly replaced the players that we'd lost, we could be looking at a very different season. At the moment, I'm happy just to say that we've got opportunities to win this season on a real high. And I think after a result like today, it's really encouraging to see where potentially United could go. You know, it feels like doors are open to us. And mentioning as well, just before we round off, Rich... There's got to be an element of players, you know, maybe talking to United. You know, I'm not suggesting that we're going to go out to get Jadon Sancho, but you compare and contrast the happiness around the team and the way in which the squad seems to be getting on with each other and the togetherness that you saw on the pitch today with both of those goals on the bench and on the pitch. If you're a player that's thinking about maybe coming to United or hears that United are interesting, it looks like a much happier place to arrive at these days, doesn't it?
1: Yeah it does. I, one of the things that really surprised me was that um certainly if these if these figures are correct that, that Fernandez is only on a basic 70,000 pounds a week which is about the same that Wambsako is getting and I think similar to to Dan James as well. And it just it ties in with this with with this idea that f- for me it must it must be it must have been dysfunctional for United to have a change in room with guys like Sanchez in who was earning potentially up to half a million quid a week all these guys at different sort of stages in their career and it didn't really seem they all fit together in any any sensible way and so it just seemed to be a load of individuals in a really dysfunctional place whereas now we're seeing a team come together in a in a, in a functional sense in, in on the pitch but also you get the impression that the changing room is a much more kind of egalitarian place It's a, it's a much more equal place it's got a lot of good people in it i think now
0: a harmonious environment
1: not just a harmonious environment, but a, but a, a good a good range of personalities as well. A good group of people that obviously work very hard and very committed. They're trying to improve. They're committed to what they're doing and what the manager's doing. And it, it, you know, you 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 compare last year where Mourinho had kind of burnt his bridges with absolutely everybody. So everybody at the club hated everybody else. You do get the impression that even when results were poor, all of the players were still behind each other and Oli. That makes a lot of difference. And pr- maybe. I don't want to, I don't want to attempt to any fate, but perhaps we're now seeing the benefits of that coming to fruition on the pitch as well, where, where you've got a team who are all willing to work incredibly hard for each other in the pursuit of a of a collective goal, which is really what that's what Klopp has succeeded in doing at Liverpool. He he's galvanised a group of players, and there's no doubt in my mind that he gets far more out of the those players at Liverpool, the talent that he has at Liverpool than he should be getting You know, It was it was Fergus genius wasn't it Fergus genius was getting absolute maximum out of it, every, any group of players he had at any given time and that's what Klopp's done and you're kind of starting to see in a low key sense the same kind of all for one, one for all approach on the pitch that, that, that they had there so I think the wider point we were saying earlier, all I want to see and all I've wanted to see for the last few years is a team that's moving in the right direction and I think as far as I'm concerned as long as as long as i can see players improving as long as i can see performances improving and i can see what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go i'm happy just to let it run because that's all we're asking for really isn't it it's something we Mm. want to get behind and we want to see a process and i don't think we ever really saw that certainly didn't see under Moyes i don't think we ever really came to pass under lvg bar about four games in in february and march one season um And then under Mourinho, it was just really kind of, even though results were better in the the second season, the performances were still incredibly stodgy and it was still, what are we doing? How have we got here? Because we were actually not very good. So that's Mm. all, that's all I want. You know, if we finish the season and I can really see, see that, yeah, we're we're clearly moving somewhere, then I I don't know. I think it would be unfair to not want to just let it run.
0: No, exactly. Anyway, Rich, let's finish this off with some score predictions. Uh, Lask on Thursday, followed by Spurs on Sunday. Hit me up.
1: I'm going to go for another one all on Thursday, just because I think we will make a few changes and it'll be a bit bitty. And I think they're actually quite, they're actually quite a decent team.
0: But lost to Bruges.
1: They did lose to Bruges. They did lose to Bruges. But they 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 they, they, they comfortably beat Alkmaar, didn't they? Who are although so did we um, to be honest. But I think I think all of these away games, particularly in games where you're making changes, are a bit dicey. They're supposed to be exceptionally good at set pieces, which. A month ago, would have I would have said, "Oh my God, they're our kryptonite." But but now, uh, having faced at least six hundred and seventy three corners in the last two league games, um, and and having defended all of them with aplomb, I'm not as quite as afraid of that as I was, as I was a couple of weeks ago. Um, Same here. Sorry, Spurs. um, I don't want to go. I don't want to get too optimistic because it's just not. It's not my thing, is it?
0: It's Jose. They were so bad against Norwich. It is choosing. Yeah, they were bad against Norwich, but look, the City game was a perfect example of what Mourinho can do when his back's against the wall. You know, City completely dominated that tie. Spurs had two bursts and won 2-0. Obviously, Zinchenko's red card gave them a massive leg up, but I think it, was, it would be dangerous to mark Spurs out of this game and say that Mourinho is not able to get a result, despite the fact they've obviously got injuries, despite the fact they've been playing pretty rubbish lately you know it's just not in my nature to count that man out especially with United coming into town
1: and it's difficult to forget the second half of Everton as well which you know if we look at our last away game with there was a, a very long period in the first half where we were very good but the second half really wasn't very good uh no. when we probably should have lost that game so but I mean I, th- I think I definitely think we can win the game I think maybe I'd be I would probably take a point in that game knowing the fixtures we got coming up after that but but I think we could, we can win there.
0: Yeah, sure. Agree with you about LASK. I'm going to go for one all in that one. And then 2-1 to A-side. I don't know which one next Sunday because <laughs> I'm hedging my bets because if I actually ah. put it on record and say United are going to win that game and we lose, I'm going to feel like a right tit.
1: I would bet on anti-Martial scoring. That's what I do. That would be enjoyable, wouldn't it? He has a terrible game, he'll have a terrible game and then score a wonderful goal. We'll all laugh and go, yeah, everyone's been moaning about him all game and there he is scoring a really good goal again.
0: Yeah, to be fair, I've been doing that a little lot lately in the sense that certain decision making, like here's an example of Martial today we didn't touch upon earlier on. What was it? Uh, Was it Zinchenko who played a terrible pass back towards Cancelo? And Martial just was nowhere near switched on enough and Cancelo was able to steal a march on him and pass it back to Edison. And it's just that moment you're thinking, God, you know what, Like of Dan James, maybe even a Gallo, definitely Rashford would be so alert to that and completely rip them to, sh- to shreds and punish them. And then Martial still pops up with a massive goal anyway. So there we go. What do I know?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. That, and it's been a benefit to us at the moment that even when he's having a really bad game, he can still he's still got the technical quality to. Or, and in fact, the the desire at points. I mean, you know, for the for the, the desire for the header at Chelsea, mm. um, he you know he can always pick up a goal even when he's playing terribly. And that's that's not something United have been particularly good at for quite a long time. Playing terribly and, and actually still delivering. So. At the moment, you know, it's working, isn't
0: it? Absolutely, yeah. Speaking of working, I think we'll down tools for the rest of this week, Rich. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll reconvene after Spurs next week. Cheers for your company, mate. No worries, mate. Guys, thank you as ever for joining us this week. And don't forget you can get us all over Twitter should you so wish. You can find Rich at, at Rich Red Voices, me at, at it's the pod at Red Voices M U F C and our blog can be found at RedVoices.net. dot net. Don't forget Pitch Sport Football on the app and play stores. Look out for this week's podcast and this week's fan video, which will be up later on today. And don't forget you can also find the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Like and subscribe, review, all that stuff is hugely helpful and very much very, very, very appreciated. And we will grab you guys after Spurs next week. Take care of yourselves. Bye.